It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This is Reasons to be Cheerful with Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Oh, I was thinking of you at the stroke of midnight. Oh, I was, I was thinking, thinking of you. Should old acquaintance be forgot? Oh. I, I don't think they should, broadly speaking. No. No. I know we're going to be talking a bit about 2017 in this episode, but it's quite good to have left behind 2017, isn't it? It's, it's a reboot. It's, it it's a, like reboot. a reboot. It's a new exercise book. Exactly. It's an There's unblemished re- play, Unbroken page. resolutions. Yes. Things that, you know, you can turn over a new leaf on. You know, it's, 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 it's kind of always good, you know. In a way, it's the most cheerful time of the year. Because you've it got is. it all ahead of you. Exactly. You're, you're unjaded. Yeah, the other thing I like about this time of year is a rather technical point, or not, it's not that technical, which is that the days are getting longer from here on in. You know, spring is on the way. Mm. You know, you're through the shortest day of the year. You're through that sort of November, the grind of November. I'm worried that the, the level of positivity here is almost sickening. We almost sound like Americans. We do. Well, but, it's not a bad thing to aspire to, a bit of optimism. No, but you know there can be t- there can be too much optimism. Well, you think it's time to grumble a bit? Yeah, a little bit. Um, how we how are you in between days? Oh, I've had you know I've had a nice Christmas period. We we went away. This is a reason to be cheerful. We went away to we caught a few days in Morocco. I had to come back early for work reasons, but um, we we had a you know got some sun uh, in Essaouira. Nice. Uh, in Morocco, it, it, it was great. You know, it was really nice to be with the family. It was really nice to get a bit of sun. Um, the, 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 when I arrived, I mean, the Moroccans were incredibly friendly, and but you have to sort of fill in one of these forms about you know what you do. And I, I thought I don't really want to sort of draw attention to my job here, so I just put MP. And so then the man behind the counter said to me, "What what is an MP? What what, what do you mean by MP?" And I said, "Oh, um, uh, politician." And there was this guy who had police on who was wandering around. And I said, "Oh, well, actually, I'm a politician." He said, "Oh, well, what what party are you?" And I said, "Labour." He goes, "I know who you are." And I said, "Oh, yes, you know, it is me." And then the, just at that moment, this man came up to the desk and he said, "Yeah, this is the guy who was nearly prime minister." Wow. Uh, but I mean. It sort of followed me around slightly, you know what the I mean? The man who was nearly prime yeah. minister, the almost, and he was, was sort of saying it to the man behind the counter. Well, I think it's better than him. So this this is the man who was delusional enough to think that he might be prime minister, and we all knew it would never happen. Yeah. He didn't say that. He didn't. He said this was the man who was yeah. almost yeah. prime minister. Yeah, but it's sort of anyway. I got on then. Got on with my holiday, and it was nice. What about you? What's your reason to be cheerful? Um, so I've I, not done very much. I had a friend round on Christmas Day, my friend Susie, and um, we just hung out. But there's there's a cafe we go to close to our house which is a turkish cafe so it's open over christmas so we spent a bit of time there taking taking my baby son there because there are toys for him to play with and we know the people who work there quite well the people who supply the cookies that's that's right so um the cookies that power this podcast so i'm talking to them and um the girl who works there says 
oh, we're going to be closed now for a few days over, over the new year. I say, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. She says, yeah, I'm going back to Turkey for a few days. So I say, well, you, you have a wonderful time. At which point she comes round from the back of the counter to give me a hug. And I think, okay, I've got to, got to go in for the hug there. So I go in for the hug. And as soon as I do, it feels uncomfortable. And it's at that moment that I realise she hasn't come round for a hug. <laughs> She's come round to like give the baby a kiss on the forehead or, or something. She's actually <laughs> aiming towards the baby. So I think, oh my God, now I look like I just wanted to get my hands on the girl who worked in the cafe. So I made a point. I made a point because I didn't want to look like that. I made a, a point of going and finding the man who worked there as well <laughs> and giving him a big hug just so it didn't look like there was any kind of weird sexual undertone to it, which there wasn't. That, that That's kind of awkward, isn't it? It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of... It's like me. It is like me and an animal object. And you and an animal object. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, does that count as a reason to be cheerful? It's quite a funny story. Well, there we go. I've given you a reason to be. Yeah, cheerful, you have given least. me a reason. To be cheerful. But I think we should be cheerful about 2018. Great. I'm. Go- I'm going to make a concerted effort to be more positive. As long as it doesn't involve talking to strangers on public transport. It definitely involves that. So, shall we talk about what we are doing for this special New Year episode then? Let's. We are putting 2017 in its box, and a lot of people would say, let's close that box, let's gaffer tape it up, let's never look in there again. But what we want to do is try and prove conclusively that there were good things. Extract the pearls from 2017. Exactly, yes. And joining us to do that, we have two of our finest comedians, Sophie Hagen, who is uh, is is just wonderful? Uh, she won Best Newcomer at Edinburgh a few years ago. Uh, she does a wonderful podcast called Made of Human. She's on tour with a show called Dead Baby Frog. Um, she's she's really wonderful, and she will be accompanied by her comedy best friend Mark Watson, who I think we last saw earlier um, last year now in on an island on Channel Four, marooned with a bunch of people on a, a Bear Grylls program. So they are going to be joining us to uh, to pick out the things, the pearls. And, and you you've say. been on Sophie's podcast, is that right? I've been invited on Sophie. Oh, good. Well, I oh, kind of like nice. invited myself onto Sophie's podcast. Oh, that's nice. How would how did it go? Didn't didn't go great. She 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 cancelled me at the last minute. Oh, I'm sorry. I t- sorry to have raised it. Yeah, her. but I think we we shouldn't bring that up yeah. and make an awkward dynamic in the room. And also, I think any mention of it might yeah. might make things slightly strange. And of course, there'll be no awkwardness with you and Mark Watson because no. when, when was the last time you saw him, Ed? Well, that was when I didn't win the award. But you were nominated. I was nominated and I came second, just <laughs> like were, at the general election you as the nearly, Moroccan bloke said to me. This is the me. man who nearly won yeah, a radio yeah, award. Exactly. Well, I suppose the Moroccan bloke could have said that to yeah, me. Yeah. You're listening to Reasons to be Cheerful with Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd. So we are determined to prove that 2017 wasn't just a terrible year. We want to put it to bed nicely and wish it we sweet do. dreams, we do. right? We do. Uh, so helping us do that, we are joined by comedy best friends Sophie Hagen and Mark Watson. Hello. Hello. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah, that's very nice. But you are yeah. comedy best. And I, I picked this up from Twitter and Instagram. You seem to be joined at the hip. We never stopped banging on about it. Yeah. <laughs> How did you become comedy best friends? Oh, uh, I started uh, asking Mark for advice about literally every single decision I had to make in comedy. What, what, I took what over gave, Sophie's life. What yeah. gave you the impression that he was wise? Oh, he was just online at the time, I think. <laughs> yeah. no, Not so like much I... online, it's just connected to the internet. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just, uh, I think I was just, I was a big fan. And then I got to oh. know him and now he's more like a human being. But also, 
I think I was just I I admire the way he does comedy, the way he kind of thinks outside the box and does these kind of gigs that no one else would be silly enough to do. For people who don't know what you're talking about, I mean, okay. Mark, would, it, would it embarrass you to get you to tell us what Sophie's talking about? I think I'm already in an embarrassing situation, <laughs> sitting next to this gushing fangirl. Um, That's what I find with Jeff every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you must be used to this sort of uh, yeah, dynamic, but it's quite difficult to it's, negotiate. It's, it's hard, it's hard. We'll talk about it Podcasts later, are so actually. intimate physically, yeah, aren't exactly. they? But you do, you do like 24-hour gigs and you do games and things as well as you stand up. Yeah, I'm a pioneer and an inspiration, Jeff, yeah. <laughs> Well, I've done lots of stupid, like weird, uh, conceptual shows. It's true, and uh, but the strange thing is, I never, I would have never thought that Sophie was um, conscious of all that because you internally became aware of that stuff through a, through an old podcast. Yeah, a podcast is, you did in what two thousand ten or twelve or something. Yes, with Marsha uh, from yeah. XFM. Wasn't it? So it's that's the thing. It's called it, Marsha Meets. It's, a, it's still up there. It's really good. She has some really really good conversations with people. But Sophie wasn't even here at that point. So our whole friendship has been. It's only a year old, basically. We'd barely yeah. met before. Yeah. Four best friends. We're still basically... We're really still... Yeah. In the <laughs> you, you came here from Denmark, yeah? Yeah, about five years ago. Right. And okay. Sophie did a whole show about sort of pursuing Westlife. Yeah. And do you feel yes. like a lot of what you were putting into your, your Westlife obsession, you're now putting into a Mark Watson obsession? Yeah, but he's dangerously available. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm much more attainable. There's only one of me, and you can track my location. Yeah, it's me bridge. queuing outside of his house. He's just like, hey, do you want to have breakfast? I'm like, oh, that's... <laughs> Plus, I don't exciting. have the commitments that Westlife do. They really were getting around a lot in that period. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I feel like I should sort of... In the interest of full disclosure, say that at the award ceremony where I failed to win the award, um, there's always next year. You get one shot at it. Thank you, Jeff. There never Uh, will be another year. If I can carry on, um, Jeff's got lots of awards (laughs) up there. You should all look at them and uh, admire them. They're from some years back, just to say. Uh, (laughs) Once uh, you've got it, you've always got it on your shelf. Um, but Mark did an incredibly funny routine uh, at, the, at the beginning where you were, the sort of conceit was you didn't really quite know what you, why you'd been invited and uh, what yeah. your purpose was. at the Which was not really conceit. It was absolutely true. They hurriedly booked me at the last minute. Who do you think dropped out? Well, the weird thing is I don't think anyone dropped out because there already was a host, Trevor Nelson, who was doing a perfectly good job. But also a bloke from Audible did a bit. Of this. There were about four different speeches at the start already but someone had obviously taken it into their head that a comedian was necessary so I just did more or less seven minutes of saying there's no point in me being here at all and that has tended to be quite a successful angle for me uh, (laughs) (laughs) before we get into reasons to be cheerful from the news this year Sophie what's what's been the best part of the year for you oh you can't say me I can't. Oh, not befriending oh, God. Then, Focus then, then what do I say? Uh, oh, what's the best? Was it your show? I think you took a new show up to Edinburgh. I love my new show. I love. I well, last year I started a, a podcast and that's gone well. But I think in general, if I had to make it, because there's a lot of little tiny things. But in general, I think this was the year where I started truly believing in my gut feeling. You know, and you know, in this career, it's kind of weird. You have to make all these decisions. And I think at the beginning of this year, I said, okay, this is the year where. Like, cause so far my gut feelings has been proven to be right every time, but I've still gone, no, I should probably do it anyways. Or, you know, this pro- the logistics are probably better with this one. But then this year I've just gone with my gut and that's proven to be the best choice. That sounds terrifying to me. <laughs> but it is. And it is because you go, oh, no one's going to, like my agent's going to be very angry with me for saying no to this, for saying yes to that. But it, it does so far. It's proven to be the right choice. Could they, that could just be luck, though. I've done a lot of things on gut this year, and it hasn't gone well, has <laughs> Maybe your guts are just not as accurate. Yeah. Thanks very much. <laughs> 
And and Mark, you were um, you were marooned on an island this year. Is that your highlight? It certainly wasn't a highlight at the time, but it probably was the most um, or one of the things I've done with the most kind of long term um, positive consequences because I, I learned quite a lot about being. It wasn't actually that long. It's twenty two days. And this is on on Channel Four. It's a Bear Grylls thing. Yes, it's been and gone now on um, TV. But it, it's the sort of thing that. Um, I would have considered beyond my capacity probably as a human. In a way, it sort of was. I didn't come out of it that well, but I did survive it. And um, I learned quite a lot about um, the fact that you can basically take more than you think you can and you are stronger than you than you think. And also the, the, the key thing I learned is that you, the things that you need to be happy are relatively simple, like just good people around you. And if I just have normal food now or just sleep in a normal bed, I think this is a lot better than when I was being eaten by um, <laughs> sandflies that time. And so it's perspective, I suppose, is that, but what is weird is that that was in the middle of the year. And, um, I, 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 coming back, I thought I'll never again forget how blessed my life is and how fortunate I am despite all my hangups and stuff. But uh, to remind yourself of that is a con- almost daily. How long did it take before you were standing waiting for a coffee and it was taking too long and yeah, you were getting annoyed? But and... Why do I have to give you my name? Even? Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was probably less than 48 hours. No, actually for, for at least a, a week or two afterwards, I really was in a kind of, uh, like someone in a film that had come in from a uh, sort of parallel universe, just marvelling at everything. But yeah, pretty soon your stresses and irritations, the normal ones do kick in. The difference is I've, I've still got that. I can now kind of access that bit of my brain. That's, I've still got that perspective, but it's much harder than you, you have these sort of epiphanies or life lessons and you think, I've changed now, but so actually, hard, you have to it? keep exercising that. Maybe you and muscle. I should yeah. go and live on an well, island together. I, I was thinking about this. It's a natural bit. progression from the podcast, <laughs> I think. Yeah. What do you I think? Don't, I don't think either of us are the type of people who would do very well in a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah. Although you find people quite difficult, and there wouldn't be that many of there, them. There literally That's were true. not many amazing. at all. Yeah, yeah I, f- I find people difficult, and... Well, you'd I, love I'm, the island. There's 15, and that's your lot. Yeah, I'm not sure that you would be great at, like... No. Yeah, build, building a bivouac no. or whatever. <laughs> I'd be disastrous. You honestly. don't do well with inanimate objects. Uh, yeah, I'd be, it would be sort of inanimate object hell, I think. I was the same, though. In a way, the, the best thing you can do is be a good team player and be good at um, fostering relationships with other people. You quite quickly learn. Like there's a doctor. I would be terrible. A, yeah, you'd be screwed, mate. But uh, <laughs> someone like Ed with experience of yeah. managing a large team, I think you'd at but least It's a bit you know, like when somebody needs a fish caught and you say, my job's not to catch the fish, it's to foster relationships. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my job is to. I'd be like quite irritated. I was a bit like that, to be honest. Not on purpose, but I definitely was the person that kind of. uh, Yeah, you know, I know we can't eat a fostering relationship, but (laughs) yeah, yeah. Your job is to produce statistics showing that fish have been caught. Well, shall we start looking at the year then? Let's do that. We have things from each month, and we will we will decide. I mean, let's it. be honest. It, it, we should for, again, just to be honest with people, it's been quite difficult in some months to find cheerful things, but mm. it hasn't been the best. A couple of them are clutching at yeah. straws a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so January, uh, unfortunately, Donald Trump uh, was uh, inaugurated, but there was a massive protest uh, against him uh including the uh, women's march uh which took place not just in america but in uh, cities around the world including london a million people turned out uh, in washington and i sort of think this is a reason to be cheerful not donald trump being inaugurated but i think it marked the beginning of the sort of resistance to him and i think it also marked something else about 2017 which is women you know, using their voice, not just in relation to Donald Trump, Me Too, all of that, to 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 kind of stand up and 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 make their voices heard. And I think that is something to be positive about. Did you go on the march, Sophie? 
No, I was in Dubai. <laughs> you know, the capitalist super haven. So they women loving Dubai. They didn't have a woman's march in I Dubai. I couldn't find then. one. I couldn't find one. Uh, no, I was in Dubai, but I, you know, I've, I was there by spirit. Does that count? No one Not doesn't really. count. No, no. <laughs> doesn't count. They measured it by people being there. I think. Oh, that's so yeah. annoying when they do that. <laughs> <laughs> My wife and mother-in-law went on the march. Oh, but well, they, you see. They, they came back quite quickly. My wife doesn't do well in crowds. She was in the London march. Yes, yeah. And right. was, they started squabbling. I can't remember what happened. <laughs> but, you know, there was some kind of disharmony. I think they managed about 25 minutes on the Women's March. But it's 25 minutes. It's something, isn't it? If you don't do well in crowds, marches are traditionally quite a bad place to be, I think. Yeah. Are you, are you a marcher generally, Sophie? I'm a, I'm a march intender. I always right. really want to go. I click attend on Facebook and then, ah, oh, it's a lot of people, isn't it? It's just a lot of people and a lot of confident people, shouty people. And I'm, you know, I, ugh, I heard the not, march was quite shouty. It's quite shouty. <laughs> yeah. But also just like a lot of women, a lot of white women wearing these vagina hats. Did you see them? Yes. The pink vagina hats, which is a lie for a lot of people. <laughs> like even, like that's become a very like white feminist thing, isn't it? Where, oh, it's like, because they're equating women with vaginas, which is not true for trans women. And then it's also a very white thing because they're pink, which isn't even true for a lot of white women. So it became this kind of white feminist march, which was a bit... Do you have a better suggestion for hats? <laughs> oh, I better. Uh, no. No. It's diff- difficult, isn't it's it? It's really difficult. Well, we so don't you... have to have. Why do we have to have hats? Maybe, yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe just, just, not, just maybe come not. with your normal head, yeah. <laughs> but don't you think that it is significant that lots of people saw Trump being elected? They might not have been politically active. And in a way, you know, despite the terrible things he said about women and all of the things he said about, you know, uh, race and all of that. But but in a way, it did have a galvanizing effect on people. You yeah, know, it was whatever powerful. The, whatever the nature of the hats, yeah. uh, you know, it, <laughs> despite it, the that hat, is it was a, great. despite the hat. I mean, you know, it did have that effect, and that is at least you know, action produces reaction. And then if you look at how the year has gone in terms of women's movements, maybe that was uh, that was a spark. I think maybe it's also seen in the light of where we are now, where that seems almost like a tiny thing compared to women's voices now, which have just been louder and louder and louder and more and more listened to so maybe now it's like oh yeah women's match of course but maybe back then when it happened it was more of a it felt bigger but now it's like yeah we're all matching every single day in our own houses and we're speaking up and that's really and what do you think about the me too movement and its impact in 2017 i am so excited i have a friend who every time a new name gets called out she calls me and she just goes it's the reckoning (laughs) she hangs back up it's amazing i have a segment on my podcast where people it's called the act of disobedience so people i listen and send in when they've you know fought against the system in some kind of minor way and there's so many people who say I'm suddenly empowered and now you know someone cat called me and I shouted back at them there was a woman who was uh, a man shouted something awful at her from his uh, like convertible and she just bought a six pack of coke so she just thought you know what no. So she started opening the cans, throwing them into his car, just one by one. And then the light turned green. And he had to drive. And I was like, that is amazing. <laughs> and that's, that's to wonderful. me, that's 2017. Do you want to distance yourself from this at all, Jeff? I want to be very clear here. I don't have a driving license. So no, thank goodness. Wasn't just saying. Yeah. <laughs> and, and in a way, you know, it came out of one long suppressed scandal around Harvey Weinstein and it has sparked and you know people are very negative about the internet and the Twitter and all of that but I don't think it would have happened in the way it did without social media no 
Well, Me Too started about 10 years ago from Tarana Burke. So it's been around, for, but it hasn't had the, yeah, the social media thing and the, the celebrities speaking out. And I guess, well, maybe what started with the, the march and, you know, that whole, right, it's time now. And then all we, because I think women have been speaking up for ages, but then every time we have done, people have silenced us. And that was part of the Weinstein thing as well, was every time she tried to talk about it, he would silence her and make sure she didn't get parts in movies. But then something has shifted and now, you know, Twitter, Facebook, it's all it's all out there and it's uh, just amazing. I also think the forward effect is incalculable. There is um, obviously a massive issue with the reckoning, as you say, about what's happened in the past. But there's also a forward effect that is going to be in the minds of men who were previously misbehaving I th- would have thought it's going to be a massive deterrent, is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what, that was my thought as well, because I didn't dare to believe that there would be consequences. I was like, that's too good to be true. Like, these men are probably not going to be sent away, because that's probably still not the world we live in. But if it means that these men from now on are terrified of doing anything, then that's probably all. We- and also, if women know that from now on we have to gather evidence and we have to go to the police immediately, because maybe now we will be believed... I mean, for for the future, it looks oh, it looks quite good. I think I, da- I don't dare <laughs> to say you it. You say that nervously. I'm it's so nervous. Good, look, it's a good, it's a I good don't want to tempt fate. fate. Exactly. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, there we go. That's that's January, and a big big reason to be cheerful there. Yeah, definitely. What have, what have we got for February? February was a difficult month, I think it's fair to say. Um, and maybe that's true of lots of months. But Because we're doing this against the backdrop of 2017 being an awful year yeah, and trying yeah. to find but, the good but, bits. But people will remember the mix-up over who won the um, Oscar Best Picture. But the, the winner was Moonlight, which was a small-budget film, which was a story about race and homophobia. Um, and... It, it we saw the first Muslim actor uh, to win an Oscar when he won uh, Best Supporting Actor. Uh, it came after the previous year when we'd had the hashtag Oscars So White uh, on Twitter. Now you know the Oscars are the Oscars, but but it, I think it did it did at least send some kind of signal just about you know ending that monocultural way that the Oscars had, had be previously been seen. I feel awful because I haven't seen it. But Mark has seen it. Yeah, I feel more awful because I have seen it. And I did like it, but not as much as it would be. It would be convenient if it had been the best film I'd ever seen. Right, now right. I, I could do a, like a, a really, uh, I could do a really impassioned ten minutes about it now. But yeah. I, I had one of those awkward things with it where I watched it, thought I enjoyed that. That was good. Uh, and I watched it on. The, someone had recommended it to me. I wasn't. I didn't discover it under the radar. But nonetheless, it had not yet had the Oscar attention. I don't think so. I must have seen it early in the year. Once it has won the award, it became kind of universally Lord. I started thinking it's like this with anything, isn't it? You you see something or hear an album, whatever it is, uh, and think, um, yeah, that was good. Uh, and then six months later, it's regarded as sort of one of the major pieces of art mm. this century. And you think, now did I miss something, or did I just see it uh, with different expectations from those people, or is the film's new like cultural social significance? Um, is that what people are really talking about? If so, that's fine. Yeah. But basically, I just purely saw it as a as a low budget film. And um, or but also the Oscars are the Oscars. I mean, I thought it was, it was obviously progress um, in a lot of ways. 
But um, and the mix-up thing was tremendous fun. We won't see something like that happen again for a long time. Well, like, as people know, who perform like, on stage, you know, for a living, is that a gratifying well, thing to see somebody else mess up? Like <laughs> oh, that? it was great because nothing we can mess up in our lives will be as big as that. I, I don't think. <laughs> like, we're basically everyone that ever has to read something out on stage is off the hook now. Even if that, that award ceremony yeah. that Ed mentioned that I was at, I, I would have had to do a really bad job yeah. before it was the worst thing done at an award ceremony this year. I so once accidentally good. gave away a car on the radio to somebody. One <laughs> one. I mean, what? that is a big mix-up. Yeah. Did you have to tell? So so what happened was I was doing some competition where I was giving away a mini and, <laughs> um, and uh, there were t- two people. They had to guess a number. I don't know. Say, for example, it was how many miles from London to Manchester. And they each guessed. And I'm terrible at arithmetic. So I had a producer <laughs> on the other side of the room kind of indicating which person had won. So say it was Mark and Sophie. And I'm sort of seeing which way his hand's going. Oh, I think, OK, I've got it. All right. Well done, Sophie. And she's going, Aah! she's so happy that she's won a car and at the same time see all the colour drain from the producer's face yeah. and he's doing the thing you know slitting his throat sign with his and, and I realise I've given it to the wrong person so what do you do in that situation you, you, you stay, stick with it you have to give them your car presumably yeah, well, what yeah. I did is I, I just went oh you can both have one yeah that's all you could do and then yeah. some, you know they had to find an extra however many thousand pounds it you, was to buy you another you cost the show a car yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's amazing I did a, an award show where the it was it was in Denmark, but it was international. And the person who had sent out the email was Danish and not that good at English. So what she had meant to email all of these international companies was, if you do win, we need to know how many people get up on stage to accept the award. What she'd said was, when you win. So every single, so all these companies that couldn't afford to go abroad were like, but we will win the award, so we should be there. Oh, no. So they'd all turned up. And then as the award ceremony progressed, the people started sensing like, wait, we didn't win that one. It was like win. like that for me at the old <laughs> Yeah, hang on. When is, hang on when is my moment? I thought I was coming because I was winning, not not to come second here. Yeah, I wouldn't have come just to sit here. So, so did you have a, like a revolution on your hands then? But it, I was like being because I didn't know this, and then around the like when there were six awards left, the the people running it like ran up to me and just went, just go through it, go through it quickly. Like don't speak in between them. So I was just like winner of this is that winner of this and that winner. Uh, uh, good night. <laughs> And then people were just sitting there, like, rageful. And I was like, I, I mean, go. I must say, I nearly stormed the stage. <laughs> <laughs> could you feel hostility in the room as you were doing yeah, it? Yeah, I could feel there was, like, a, people started chatting a bit. But I wasn't really sure what was happening. I just thought, oh, they're drunk or they're tired. I didn't know that they were all going, we travel from South Africa to win an award. So I did say to Ed, if they invite you and you say, I'm not sure if I can make it, and then they come back and say, no, no. We'd, we'd really like you to be we'd, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, then you've definitely won. But it turns out it was wrong. I think what I found odd about the whole thing is that, and I, as I said, there's no doubt that it's really great that... Uh, it's great that Moonlight won. It's great that it, it, the guy won as well because an awful lot of people do uh, look at that as the sort of, uh, like a lot of young black actors, black filmmakers will have seen that. But beyond it, I have this overarching frustration with the idea of the Oscars as a benchmark of quality art because I basically don't, I, I mean, it's not that good films don't get Oscars, but the circus around it, the what dresses people are wearing, the yeah, this totally film true. has got Oscars buzz this year, mm. the cult of personality, to all of it screams the sort of Hollywood climate of permissiveness that, that this yeah, scandal has come out of. So a, for me, bigger progress would be just if loads more black filmmakers got recognition without having to, because yeah. there can only be one best picture award every year. Yeah, it's the yeah. same with everything, the, well, maybe not the Mercury Awards or, or the Booker, but like almost all awards it like it's necessary because it's good to celebrate good art and stuff but it, i don't know you won an award but um because so, sophie it, won best newcomer at the edinburgh fringe several, did, did, did you ever win the edinburgh fringe mark i won the panel prize jeff which is for people who uh, do weird stuff but ultimately not that funny and um <laughs> i've won celebrity pointless twice what do you want 
Actually, it's funny. Have what? you really? I have. Yeah, wow. I um, I've got a nice little collection of pointless and mastermind trophies. But it's funny what Ed was saying about your trophy. Some of Jeff's trophies being out of date. Yeah. I've got quite. There's a point in your career where you're not really going to win awards anymore. So I've got I've got a <laughs> shelf full of like I've got several, yeah. but they're all noticeably 2005, 2006. Look, I'm, is, I'm pushing them further and is. further it's back. It's like when you go to a restaurant and they've got an Egon Runner yeah. sticker in the window from 1998, and you're thinking you probably do more harm than good with that sticker yeah, at this point, or, or a picture of yeah. me when I was labour leader. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I do think that it was great, but I, I sometimes feel that the, just the whole emphasis on the Oscars is a bit wearying because so much good stuff gets of made course, that yeah, doesn't. Yeah. And I don't want to be you know no, you're right because you have to have things right. like the Oscars, but the way they're presented is. Um, I find it quite kind of marginalising of a lot of other stuff. On the still, it is good that it's definitely good that it won over La La Land. Okay, March. So March was uh, Britain triggered Article Fifty to leave the European Union, but the European Union celebrated sixty years since the signing of the Treaty of Rome, which laid the foundations for the European Union as we know it today. And I think that is a reason to be cheerful, even though we're leaving. Yeah, bittersweet this one, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it is a bit bittersweet. But we, you know, we couldn't go through the year without mentioning Brexit, and you know, the fact that you, I think I'm right in saying that um, in 1957, of the 28 countries in the European Union, only 12 were democracies. Now, 28 are democracies. Some of them are going in slightly odd direction. Yeah, look what happens. <laughs> Not just Britain. Uh, but, uh, you know, the European Union has delivered all kinds of things, peace, prosperity. But do you think that's part of the problem? People, like, for, for a lot of people, they didn't know what the European Union was doing and all this, all these benefits they'd had over the years in terms of what they were getting in, in workers' rights or clean air or, or whatever. Um, they didn't know yeah. it was coming from the EU, and yet we've had newspapers blaming all our woes on the EU for... 30 years yeah look i'm sure that is true and it is as mark says it's definitely bittersweet having said that we want even outside the european union we want a strong european union and we want a european union that is succeeding because it's in our it's in our interests as well and the fact that it's got to 60 years you know this this uh, sort of co- concept i think is i think it does say something what, what about denmark because they've you've had quite mixed feelings about the european union haven't you yeah, we still have the krona. We refuse to have the uh, euro. But people support membership. And in fact, I think, yeah, I think, I think I'm yeah. right in saying that Brexit has actually massively increased support for the European Union in all the countries that aren't Brexiting. We are kind of laughing at you. <laughs> kind <laughs> yeah. of. To but put it another way. <laughs> yeah. We are a bit like, oh, to that's, be blunt. that's ridiculous. Uh, but then there's a lot of Danish people in the UK going, uh, no, <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> what are we going to do? Like, can I stay? I don't even know what what's going to actually happen. But But is your sense that people are more supportive of the EU now that Britain is leaving in Denmark? I think so. I think it's like, um, I think it's like if you, uh, like if you're in a relationship and then suddenly someone comes and flirts with your husband of 60 years, I think you're a bit like, oh, he's mine. (laughs) No, no, go away. I think we're just like, we've learned to appreciate it a bit more. I know you're not flirting with my husband, but you yeah. like, were nagging him, if anything. But, but so basically, you're not really because then you voted leave. Uh, forgive me for stupidly, and then now everyone's talking a lot about how you want the EU back. How you're all like, no, okay. we shouldn't have been right. there, regretting yeah, the decision. People voted for the wrong thing. No, we wanted back, and we're like, no. <laughs> oh, I see, I see. Yeah. So you sort of, it's kind of conf- the the, the post match reaction yeah. is confirming among people in Denmark. Yeah. Growing up, like what would a typical Danish relationship with the EU be? Because I feel like here there's always been a lot of they can't tell us what to do. Um, is that something you've noticed as prevalent in Denmark? Not really. I think I don't remember anything. There was the referendum, though, wasn't there in Denmark? 
about the currency. Yeah, yeah that was the currency, and yeah. then people got quite a bit, yeah. quite patriotic about the krona because the queen is on our money. But that was mostly like like the right wing side of things. So most people didn't really care. The people that I was speaking to, I mean, I was a child, but I was I still remember it being a bit like, yeah, but it's more efficient. Like let's just get the. But then the the people who love the queen kind of won as they usually do. But I think generally, I don't remember anything bad being said about the because we're a tiny, tiny, tiny country. We know we can't make it on our own. We have to be part of something. We've learned that now from. Luckily, we're an international superpower. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe but that's what comes with with calling yourself an empire. It you probably know? is, but I have to say, I don't think people were t- saying anything bad about the EU here a few years ago. It was like there was a, the Euroscepticism was still seen as kind of a. I didn't ever think it would come to a, a point where it was a national conversation. Not really. I would have said most people broadly thought you'd hear about like Brussels interfering and B- bananas. Like, and, yeah, yeah, but it was it was the sort of thing that only a certain section of the population ever bothered to get cross about. I think most of us just assumed there were probably good reasons for, for yeah. being part of a federal Europe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't mind. It's amazing if you look at the polling on it, though. People didn't care. Yeah, um, until a relatively short time before the referendum, right? Yeah, but that's the extraordinary thing about what Cameron d- did, and that that he turned an issue that probably fifteen or twenty percent of people cared about yeah. into one to which people attached Were themselves on either to side. Yeah, uh, you know, it became seventy or seventy-five percent of people who cared, sort of, you know, who attached themselves to each side. It's the it? most incredible thing about it. It's not a referendum that ever had to take place, and uh, I remember. I mean, I didn't, unlike most communities, I wasn't that vocal about it in the run-up to it, basically because I thought I don't really... I remember reading, spending like half a day reading the economic pros and cons of leaving to try and be open-minded about it. In the end, I thought, uh, no one really understands this, including economists. So I remember my sole tweet about it was, why, why are we having a vote on this? I don't believe that anyone, apart from a tiny number of people, called, surely this is the reason we have government to uh, make these decisions. And um, You're basically saying, Mark, that's why Brexit won, aren't you? If only you'd been more vocal, it would have been all right. <laughs> it's one of a series of crises are, that could I mean, have been inverted I if I'd just been bolder. Yeah. People are holding you responsible for your, your failure to campaign it's and to I do get out on the campaign trail. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, afraid. It's been a tough couple uh, of years, actually. I mean, yeah. look, I didn't want to kind of you know raise it. No, now but that you have. You I know, have to I hold my hands up. There's a lot yeah. of people sort of saying this. Why was Mark Watson yeah. not out there? A lot of it. Same with Trump. There's a lot of stuff which, if I had just used my considerable influence, maybe I need I mean to be more like Sophie. Have a gut feeling and just go with it. Yeah, I've stopped. Exactly. Yeah, well, we don't know what. The, we where don't were you know in the referendum, Lloydy? Yeah, if we're talking about people that didn't take enough action, <laughs> you had a radio national radio show, mate. That's a platform. Yeah, so that's my get out, isn't it? I had to be completely neutral. Oh, about I suppose it. so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you? They're on commercial radio. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's, that's what, still you're still banned by Ofcom rules. Ofcom, I suppose. Anything yeah. to do with elections and no, referenda. And there so you go. On. Yeah. How convenient. Yeah, our <laughs> podcast came too late. Yeah. <laughs> oh, in a lot Only of ways. Yeah. Earlier. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you had this podcast while you were doing the election, for example, yeah, that would have been a, a different vote you were tapping into. Hmm. But it would have been seen as a conflict of interest, I suppose. Again. Yeah. But I, I knew. I, I called it. I knew which way it was going to go. Did you? I wish I put some money. On leave because then it made it maybe would have made the next day a bit less painful. Yeah, I wish is why I did in fact, but it didn't make it much less painful. You oh, called really? it. You called it's it. It's a hollow. I've several times in my life I've bet on bad outcomes just for sort of as a sort of insurance. So you bet on leave. Uh, I had twenty quid on it during the night when it went to eleven to two or something about hundred quid, which sounds mm-hmm. good, but weighed against the You'd permanent ill health of our <laughs> nation. Yeah. <it> wasn't. <laughs> 
I've started doing it. I've do it. I have done it in the past with football a lot. So essentially, if you lose, you at least still get a. So Who's uh, your team? Bristol City, and we've right. had an excellent season. So this year, I've basically been subsidising that um, because I've bet on. I've had a number of losing bets on, but of course, you feel hollow. You don't like. If it just you don't want to bet against your team. You don't want to bet against your team, but you, you're just doing it to protect yourself from sort of... You get maniacs that bet on their team so to win, which match- means that you're doubly disappointed. It's if you- basically what you've revealed in this conversation is a form of match fixing. You decided not to campaign in the referendum, thereby <laughs> making a leave vote more likely. I'm- and then you bet on a leave vote. Yeah, match fixing is a mean, big, in big Aust- term. In Aust- in Aust- <laughs> you know, an Australian cricket, you'd be banned for life. Yeah. If it was, if I did have a huge influence on the uh, Brexit vote, then this would be match fixing, yeah. But again, I was under the illusion that the vote would sort of take care of itself. Really, if I'd known how important I was, this is come back to this again and again. So we move on to April. This is a good news story. This is a good one. I think um, this went under the radar. So. On the 21st of April, Britain went a full day without using coal power to generate electricity for the first time since the Industrial Revolution, according to the National Grid. And this is part of a bigger story, which is that coal accounts for 9% of electricity generation in 2016, compared to nearly 25% from renewables. And that is a big revolution. Now, I should say I'm from a former coal mining constituency. I was just going to ask about this. So it is difficult. I wish the government was investing in clean coal uh, because you can have so-called carbon capture and storage. And I think the coal that we are burning is imported coal. I still think we could be burning coal from uh, Britain. Having said that, you know, coal which which isn't which which isn't cleaned up uh, does cause real uh, does contribute in a big way to global warming. So sort of net, this is a good this is a good news story, and it's part of a wider thing that's been happening on climate change uh, in in 2017, which is this big movement around so-called divestment. So um, the the big institutions saying they're going to stop investing in oil and gas companies. So this year, the World Bank announced it was no longer going to subsidize oil and gas projects from uh, new oil and gas exploration from 2019. The Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund, which is $1 trillion, I think, uh, it's like 1% of the world's stocks and shares, the equivalent of, just very recently said it was going to stop investing in uh, oil and uh, gas. Weird, because that comes from oil, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And Norway made its money on oil and gas, but it's made it, you know, it's recognised the change that needs to happen. It's happening, in New-, reason it's happening in New York. <laughs> it's happened, actually, the, Brit- the government, the British government has announced a change in our pension fund rules. Um, to to make this possible, so and there's a, this is like a big movement, this divestment movement, and that is definitely a reason to be cheerful in 2017. I do think it's interesting what you said about being from the, like, like what I mean. You don't have to sort of specifically appeal to Labour voters now, but what what would you say if you what do you say when you've got like Labour heartlands where people feel like coal was the heart of their community, and but you know full well that it is a step forward to, to not make as much of it like, look as i say when i was energy secretary i was trying to pioneer this thing called carbon capture and storage which yeah, would have cleaned it up do you think that is feasible carbon well i think it could be i think it, it but... could be it could be feasible but but look, you know overall the, what's the answer i think people people in my constituency would say look the mines have gone yeah um but they've got to be replacement jobs of similar quality you know why, why don't we have the renewable energy providers you know based in constituencies like mine so yeah. it's fighting for those new jobs that will replace the old that ones that is the answer i think because it's difficult isn't it across the world it's same in australia uh, everywhere you see these arguments where um politicians are having to defend the idea of uh, cleaner energy to people who are like think yeah but my livelihood entirely depends on it. and it is possible to but it's an entire mentality shift like you say people need to think they can have jobs in the energy 
sector without that meaning actual coal, basically. I've always thought that the way you've got to sell this environmental cause is not just in, on environmental grounds, although this is incredibly important. And we're going to talk about Blue Planet a bit later, and which has exposed some of the issues there. But but um, it, it sell it as an economic issue yeah. as well. You know, that this is the industry of the future. I do feel that people are starting to get behind that. Starting to. Possibly, And yeah. it's interesting that in a year when Trump, and Trump has uh, threads through this conversation, in a year when Trump has been such a shitbag on kind of a lot of issues. It's the term. There was no struggling uh, for that term either. It was right there. It's the obvious in, term. Including yeah. on climate change, you know, pulling out of Paris. Yeah. There's been this countervailing movement, hasn't there? Uh, yeah, people have stood up. The international community stood up to him really well on environmental issues, I think, hopefully because we are too far advanced with stuff like the Paris Agreement for even Trump to be able to entirely, uh, well, shit on that. Yeah. <laughs> we need a firm commitment from Father Christmas that he's not going to keep giving lumps of coal to naughty children. It needs to be replaced Do with something renewable. It should be a renewable battery or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. And that's the other thing, by the way, just I could bore on about this for hours, but, you know, the battery technology, the advances that we're seeing in that, it's it's a lot of it seems to be ahead of schedule. Um, and, that, you know, countries like, uh, we talk about N- Norway a lot, but we, we did a feature on this, I think, we, mm. you know, about how Norway is moving on electric cars and, and so on. So I think... I think in this area, there is China is taking incredibly seriously. So I think there are reasons to be cheerful in this area. Although I do miss those little square batteries you you could lick. What? You never licked a battery, Sophie. No, what? Go on. A little square battery that you could lick. Maybe, you used to get them in a lot of things. I mean, you can, you maybe can not in Denmark. Right? You can technically lick everything, but that doesn't mean you should. Yeah, you're allowed to still lick them in your own time, <laughs> Jeff. You get a little shock, though. Oh, yeah, when you put your tongue between the two. But those batteries still exist. But you don't see them so much anymore. They were, you know, they were very prevalent. And oh, well, a lot of people died, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I love how, how Mark just looked at me and, like, shook his head, like, no, don't do it. Don't yeah, do it. I do know of this phenomenon. Knowing that my father's like, I'm going to go home this bad. You've never licked it. I wish we had a battery here so we could get I don't think she'd do sure. it. No, um, I'd, oh, I'd, are you saying l- I'm scared? <laughs> You're saying I'm a chicken? I'll level, do it. It's a very low-level shock. Yeah. It's a very low-level shock. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Talking of shocks, did you see, by the way, that Kim Kardashian won the... I st- never thought you'd be up to date what? on Kim Kardashian. <laughs> Remarkable what? segue, this, from Miliband. Yeah. She won the Statistic of the Year Award from the Royal Statistical Society uh, for her tweet saying that I think it's 65 people a year got killed by lawnmowers in the United States compared to two had been killed by Islamic terrorism. Uh-huh. Oh, very this? good. Yeah. The National Statistics Association are all over the Kardashians, aren't they? <laughs> it's a real loving. <laughs> you've been less speechless by that, Jeff. The lawnmower. Kim, Kim, I'm speechless that you, you, you had a news story involving Kim Kardashian. <laughs> I mean, it is I like, it's quite a fan. stato one, though, isn't it? It is, but it's, you know, combining two of your favourite things then. The Kardashians and statistics. statistics. Yeah. <laughs> you um, know my secret, Jeff. Should we move on to May? You go, why don't you do May? Okay, so May um, was a month when the horrific attack on the Manchester Arena happened. But we thought a good reason to be cheerful for that month would be Manchester's response to that attack at the Ariana Grande concert. Um I don't know if people will remember the videos that went viral of people gathering in Albert Square in Manchester, spontaneously breaking into Oasis songs, which is a marvellous thing. And then there was this huge concert that Ariana Grande staged at the Manchester Arena, which I think was um, the largest TV audience of the year. 22 million people watched it. And it was just a great example of a city coming together and actually a country coming together off the back of something horrible kind of designed to spread fear. 
I also thought that out of you know her, the horrific terrorist series of terrorist attacks that we saw during the year, I actually think the response of the British people was incredibly impressive. I mean, not just the the first responders, the people who went to the scene, and all of that, but I think the sort of the kind of stoicism of most people to get on with their lives, whether it's in Manchester or London or you know where, wherever wherever it happened. I, I think you know in a year when people are quite negative about parts of what's happened in Britain. I thought it said something rather positive about us, actually. There was that photo of the man fleeing from a pub with a full beer and he was trying not to yeah, spill. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was, I was like, yeah, that's, that's where I live. A classically yeah. British image. Yeah. 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 And I never even knew about Ariana Grande. I consider myself a fan. So a minor positive, I suppose, as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of these things are a reach, I'll be honest. <laughs> but don't you think there was that stoicism? Well, yeah. It's a funny thing about it. It's just, again, it's slightly bittersweet that we are, as a nation, we're definitely at our best um, mm. when when under attack. I mean, it's a weird thing, isn't it? People often talk about the wartime spirit and stuff. Like There's no doubt we're, we're very good at um, rallying in times of hardship. You just wish that we could harness some of that. The, the sort of positivity and love that was around that concert. I mean, of course, you can't do that every day, but um, you sometimes wish it didn't take a tragedy to make everyone good work together as a nation as well. Because at times of that, you think, famously, as a nation, we've got far more in common than, you know, but it's just so, of course, you, again, uh, you can't live. Said, but, yeah. but, but, but also, did, did, don't you think it also, we also saw that in the 2012 Olympics. Don't you think that spirit was there? I, I literally remember saying to people this is a potential turning point for the country it was such a purely global event and we were so proud of being and that's almost exactly four years before the brexit vote it felt modern as well yeah there was like this all this stuff about britain's history and cultural history but it it felt modern and outward looking as well it was one of the times i've felt genuinely well not proud to be british proud of what british people were doing yeah i completely agree it's astonishing to think that was only five years ago but but yeah well exactly but in a way the 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 spirit that existed in 2012 still exists now but also the anger that was expressed in the brexit referendum was there then if you see what i mean both true yeah we were a strange country really in a way they're two sides of the same coin part of why the olympics went so well was because we were determined to show what a great country we were on some level. And in that case, it was to do with um, celebrating achievement, welcoming the world. In a way, the same mentality that wants to make everyone welcome also wants people to back off a bit. Also, I, I, I sort of, you know, maybe make myself unpopular with some people by saying this. You know, the people in my constituency voted for Brexit. Lots of them voted for it because they wanted something more positive about the country. You know what I mean? It oh, wasn't that is just, true, yeah. It wasn't just a negative vote. It was a vote to say, I want a new beginning. I want things to be better. Now, we can have our own views about whether we think that is going to be deliverable under Brexit and, you know, where, where Brexit is going. But I think, that, funnily enough, there is an optimism in it. Yeah, it's You know true. what I mean? Like, uh, behind some of the people who voted as they did. Yeah, people people want it. Uh, Brexit vote one because people I, th- I think if you summed it all up people here have an unusually strong sense of britain being a thing as you say a lot of that is negative it's to do with uh empire it's to do with our, a sense of like or privilege whatever but it, it does mean that at times we can really get our shit together and do big national things and at times we can also do quite unwise things it does weirdly come from the same place which is people wanting britain to be on them it's funny though I was recently in Japan. If you go to almost anywhere else in the world and you see a world map where Britain isn't at the centre, it's hard to even find it on the map. Right. And you do sort of think, you can see why other countries think we're sort of weirdly up ourselves because you, you literally, if you ask where Birmingham was here, you, you're in, it sort of isn't on the map at all. Yeah. Uh, there's a bit, there's an office in Soho where you they've got one of those 
maps that cover the whole wall, a world map, but the Britain is on sort of a joint, so it literally isn't there at all. And it, seeing it, I saw it just after the Brexit vote, it felt like a metaphor for us having removed ourselves mm. from the world. And yet we definitely, I know it's a cliche, but we definitely punch above our weight around the world. That's why some people find it so tragic what we're, what we're doing. We've tended to punch hugely above our weight in both good and bad ways, basically. Like we've got a sense of our own importance that is massively inflated because of partly because of our arts and cultural history, but also because of our history of sort of beating up mm-hmm. other people. And now all that's come to a head. Basically, it's a weird thing. We're a weird country. So we'll have uh, we'll have the response to the Manchester yeah. attacks. Did everybody watch the concert? By the way, I didn't watch it. You I saw it. some it was of it. Great. I, Liam, I didn't actually. I felt that the whole country got behind the fact that Liam Gallagher used it as a platform to do his new single, and then just <laughs> yeah, that, sort of turned on him on Twitter. That was an astonishing was decision. Fun, I know. Of all the now for some new stuff moments in concerts, that really <laughs> yeah, was a big call, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so that's May. On to June. Uh, so June, I think we have to do the general election. There was an election. Um, and, you know, I think there are reasons to be cheerful about the election. Different people have different views about the uh, result. But the uh, I, I think it certainly tore up the rule book on... Um, how people you know perform well in elections jeremy corbyn was given no chance at the beginning uh you know got hung parliament uh increased labor's share of the vote by more than anyone any labor leader since atley uh turnout was a 25 year high uh young people turned out more than they had before a big increase on 2015 so i think there are i i certainly think there are reasons to be cheerful about about that and you were on an island for most of the campaign it was weird i i was oblivious to most of the campaigning uh came back a week before the election and most of us were um either actively Labour voters or at least hoping for some sort of progress towards it. And um, But obviously most of us were quite negative, apart from uh, the bloke from Rizzle Kicks, Jordan his name was. <laughs> oh, who, right. um, he was. He gave me a lot of lectures about how, uh, in particular, like members of the of the black community coming out and uh, on Twitter and stuff like that and encouraging people to mobilise would make a huge difference. And I was basically saying, I just don't think that like it wasn't I disagreed with it wasn't I thought that that section of the vote was irrelevant I just basically I think going into this section I wouldn't have believed that social media alone could do enough uh, mm. to change the picture this was in between slightly. failing to catch fish basically <laughs> yeah this was in these moments where you're basically just you haven't eaten anything for four days and you're thinking about death and then you, your thoughts briefly <laughs> turn to the political climate and um, and no mobile phones no mobile, no mobile phones, phones no emails no texts nothing your only distraction really is you've got several thousand sort of horsefly bikes on your skin so occasionally you would try and talk about other stuff yeah, so we talked yeah, about yeah. the election a fair bit and he, again being much younger than me he was saying um Nobody, there was no one like Stormzy or whoever agitating before the last yeah, elections. Yeah, yeah. I was saying, I was, I feared that it would have the opposite effect almost, or at least because we saw with Trump, there was a gigantic effort by the left, certainly in America, to discredit him. And it only galvanized the support he had. I thought we were going to see a similar thing here. Something again. about Lovey's getting involved, At gets Bre- people's yeah, backs up. Or Brexit again. I was yeah. saying to him, look, the last two big votes, we've seen a massive social media campaign essentially but, swing it the wrong way. But in this case, I was wrong. But I, isn't that also know, like, something about 2017, which is the voice of young people? I mean, we've talked a, a bit about the voice of women, whether it's in Me Too or the opposition to Trump. But I think the voice of young people, both in the US and particularly the UK, sort of coming out post-Brexit, turning out to vote, getting behind, um, you know, a, a sort of radical you know, new departure, which Corbyn was was seeking to offer, I think is significant. Really significant. I, I was 
supportive of Corbyn, but I was sceptical that, that, that not necessarily that the young market could be tapped into. I just didn't think it would be enough to alter mm. the voting pictures. I don't think anyone thought it, uh, to be fair. And that was quite, it was genuinely quite exciting to, to watch. Um, although, again, you, you sort of, as you say, it's really weird because it's still uh, the Tories did win the election and Corbyn has sort of spoken as if he now is the Prime Minister uh, ever since. So we're in a peculiar hinterland now. It was a night of near euphoria for Labour fans, but then feel, things don't feel that different. Mm-hmm. Except I suppose they are because this government is hanging on by a thread. You just forget that at times. Sophie, do you get to vote here? No. So is it I just did a... try. <laughs> did <you really laughs> I signed up and they were like, sure, we'll send you your card. I was like, oh my God. But then the card came and they were like, no, <laughs> I can't. No. Worth a try though. Worth a try. I mean, So is, yeah. it, is it fun as a spectator sport then watching an election campaign? I mean, it's never fun as it went because that's, I think the whole thing is that we've lost kind of hope that, you know, because of the last two votes, you're like, oh, I don't, I can't have another morning of waking up and going, oh no, not again. So I don't know if it was fun. It's been, it's been weird trying to figure out how politics in this country work. I'm, I'm still working on that. <laughs> yeah, no one knows. So there isn't the British version of Borgen that they show in Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> but then you have people saying, because you'll hear people just saying random things and you'll go, wait, what? So someone said, um, oh, I really hope it's not going to be raining because then we'll lose. And I was like, what, is that some kind of superstition? They're like, no, 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 because if it's raining, people don't want to queue outside of the voting poll. So then, you know, people just don't vote. That is like, astonishing. The fact that that makes yeah, it that yeah. much difference. And then you never know fact. whether that's myth or not. They would say yeah. the Labour voters are less likely to turn out in the rain. I'm not sure. But uh, it does seem so old-fashioned. Like, So I, I got a ballot through for a political party thing the other day, and it's so much easier and, and very secure to vote in those things. You get two separate codes that you need to put in online. It tallies up with the, um, with the polling card that you get. And then you can do a vote at home and it just going and queuing at a little primary school feels like it belongs to a different era some um, poll in Doncaster about whether we want what kind of devolution we want whether we want Yorkshire or South Yorkshire and I did it online and I had exactly the same reaction it was so easy so why can't a general election be easy like that it certainly improved turnout or the amount of I people agree. voting anyway I had fun in the election campaign because I was sort of campaigning mostly in my constituency and I I mowed a lady's lawn that's that's classic that's campaigning uh, stuff. Campaigning. That's actually dangerous. It's more dangerous than terrorism. Yeah, yeah it could be. As Kim Kardashian pointed Kim out, it's in amateurs her, doing in it. In her though. statistic of the year. Anyway, but I think this presence of young people in in politics, wh- wh- whichever political party you support, I think young people are now a force to be reckoned with. And you've seen that in some of the Tories' attempt to respond to that, whereas before they were sort of written off, basically. And is it weird being in a country where it's an either-or situation? It's either really the Tories or Labour because you're used to a different uh, proportional representation in your votes and you get these coalitions and people have to work together? I don't know how much different... It it doesn't feel much different, I think. I mean, it does feel different, the the attitude towards voting, that is even a question. I think in Denmark they make it quite easy because you are just send the thing, the ballot is that what you call yeah. it the ballot so it like the turnout is can you vote huge. online in Denmark? no i don't think it's so. not right. no not yet i want to say but i believe that right. should probably be a thing um but it's just you just vote like in denmark you just vote and that was the weirdest thing because it didn't have to be such a i was i was kind of puzzled that people that that was the argument at least vote i'm like yeah of course you're going to vote it's more about what you vote for but people were like no just get out there right but it was probably the big difference though loads of people 
voted this time that just totally. didn't bother with Brexit totally. vote yeah. or with your election well, to be well, fair I, I, like, actually people who voted in Brexit were also coming back to then vote and you know I just saw in my constituency people who voted for the Bre- Brexit for the first time were now voting Labour and that is significant should we do July let's do it now this is what one I like a lot which is Jodie Whittaker was announced as the 13th Doctor Who are you a Doctor Who fan, Sophie? No, I haven't. I'm. I'm. I haven't seen any of your stuff. Like, I'm not. <laughs> I've not seen Doctor Who. I haven't seen Harry Potter. I haven't seen Coronation Street. No, I saw uh, the when, news. No, <laughs> not really. No, okay. uh, I've. Uh, I saw when I was a child. We saw. Mrs. Bouquet, keep up appearances. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. it. That's, it's my, really, that's my British Basically, that's our main export. <laughs> basically, you've got Scando Noir, haven't you? Yeah, you know, so the killing you, and all of that. Yeah, so why would you even right, watch I out see. of that? But are you, a, are you a Whovian? Well, actually, not really. I definitely thought it was a good, uh, it was a good appointment, but I, I thought it from a fairly neutral standpoint. I right. sort of dip into it from uh, time to time, but I've just never... And the thing with Doctor Who As Hill a child? Is, well, the thing is, as a child, I think, obviously, there, there weren't new ones there, so you'd have been digging back into the... The old ones, and I was never really initiated into it. Oh, I see. You were in the gap, the generation gap, when it wasn't on. Didn't really have a flagship Doctor Who because it wasn't. Didn't come back, did it? Until I don't know the late nineties. Whereas Jeff is significantly older than you, so he obviously significantly uh, younger than Ed, (laughs) but you know, a little, a little. Jeff last week was trying to claim after we uh, switched off the microphones that he was nearly a millennial. Yeah. Uh-huh. Borderline millennial, and yeah. we worked out yeah. that he was ten years out, but he was Borderline, born in seventy-three. Yeah. Millennial I mean, South. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Ed is very much from the flower power generation, child of the sixties. Yeah, I mean, Jeff was accusing me of being a baby boomer. Uh, but you were a Doctor Who fan. Oh yeah, right? I love love Doctor Who, and I'm so excited. And yours was this. Tom Baker, like me, wasn't yes, it? Exactly, it's showing yeah. that we're the same generation, yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you, you <laughs> Tom Baker was thankfully a long serving Doctor Who. So I had the later years of Tom Baker, and you had the earlier years he crossed generations in that way yeah he did exactly um but i was very excited about this not least because i had a hit tweet off the back of it which was just thrilling for me oh there's nothing like a hit tweet it was so great i I wrote a tweet what was your hit tweet (laughs) hit tweet was like having a go at all the people who were getting in a tizzy about doctor who being a woman so i did a tweet which was basically just like oh god doctor who won't be the same without him going on about his dick all the time i remember that yeah and and it was life changed well listen what (laughs) happened you know sometimes pubs will have quotes on a blackboard outside somebody took my tweet and they slightly sanitized it because you know they didn't want dick on there understandable yeah (laughs) you went viral on blackboards i went on yeah not just on twitter but on a blackboard style viral yeah yeah yeah. so it was a really you know it's great for jody whittaker great for women great for me i'm tempted to um watch it now do you enjoy watching all the men getting so enraged about the thought of a female, oh. or people getting enraged about the thought of a no primarily doctor? when men do it i'm more, more happy about that <laughs> angry men on twitter is the funniest thing so yeah that's the main reason to enjoy it it's just to see grown men crying because they think they're losing something <laughs> it's especially fun with doctor who as well because it's not been 100 percent realistic through the years has <laughs> no. it? Like, they've already taken the whole time travel of, business the time travel business the fact that it's already been he's been lots of different people already yeah yeah so saying you can't really be a woman you're like well you can't really be 12 different men though yeah with two hearts <laughs> with two different hearts yeah when you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. 
Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Right, August. Now, this is an exciting one for Jeff. Uh, well-known hypochondriac, more of a hypochondriac than me, and I'm a big hypochondriac. Uh, scientists say they have made exciting progress in finding a cure for the common cold. Researchers at Edinburgh and Napier University say treatments can be developed based on antimicrobial peptides that occur naturally yeah. in the immune systems of humans <laughs> and animals. Anyone would hesitate looking at that. Yeah, you, they would. So... Uh, yeah. so Jeff? Well, my first reaction is that I don't believe it. If every year there is some story about how scientists have invented a cure for oh, the common cold. Oh, come on. Or it's, every year it's Christmas there time. is some Cut story it, you know, about go along how with it. they've invented a pill where you'll just lose weight uh, yeah. just by taking the pill and not need to diet or exercise. And these things never happen. I mean, it's been a particularly hypochondriacal year for you, hasn't it, if that's a word? Well, it should be a word. That's yeah, useful. I, I, I still haven't been to the doctor about whatever's going on with my thumb. Oh, I saw this on Twitter. Very worried about your what thumb. What is the thumb update? Thumb gate. It still doesn't feel quite right. His thumb doesn't yeah. feel quite right. Yeah. We all know what that means. Yeah, and I did a Twitter poll. People said it was probably fatal, but I haven't. You know, I've, I've got a list of things that I need to take. I feel like a GP appointment about. is better than a Twitter poll for these things. Yeah, I mean, I but look, there's, right. there's, there's lots of material in this area. So there was a new analysis out in Canada suggesting that man flu might actually exist. <laughs> Um, because respiratory illnesses may indeed hit men harder than women. So that's kind of a... See, we have such difficult lives. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I also feel I should sort of mention the fact that it's about a year, this was 2016, but it is relevant when a stock image of me blowing my nose was used on a US uh, network uh, about uh, people with colds. So this yeah. was the weirdest thing. It was a yeah. news story about a cold. I'll take all the publicity I can get. And they chose to illustrate it, a picture of you yeah. blowing your nose. Yeah. You became a poster boy for yeah. illness. Yeah. yeah. How did how did that happen? Do you Flu labour, as I <laughs> called it. Um, I, I don't know. I, well, actually, I had a long negotiation with them about the rights to the photo. <laughs> yeah. You know, I said, look, I'll, you know, it's okay. Have you, you been to America since? And they're like, it's cold, guy. Yeah. yeah it's a exactly. big brand I, to get involved you know, with. Honestly, I, I think it could go places it was a sort of hedge in case the podcast didn't work jeff you see what i mean <laughs> um all right let's move Sept on should we do so i think you should do september september was the month we launched this podcast yeah now it's not just a self-referential piece of bollocks this to so that we can talk about it our main, own main, podcast mainly is to be honest <laughs> it mainly is, mainly is. Not we, just, should, we should have some cover to suggest it isn't just that yeah yeah uh, so, you're... so it's a chance to talk about other people's podcasts oh. the whole phenomenon of podcasting you know why is it so successful not just ours um and you know all of that yeah because so Sophie launched an extremely successful podcast, then walked away from it and yeah. launched another one. Yeah. Uh, do you want to tell us tell us about that? Uh, it's called Made of Human Podcast, and it's. I think I initially started doing it because I wanted to figure out how to do life, because I I had this idea in my head that I was going to sit down with people and be like, so how how do you do this being an adult thing? Like, what's the answer? Yeah, like give me some tips. I genuinely thought like people must have some kind of knowledge about this. Turns out no one has any idea. No one, the most you know important people in the world have no idea. So uh, it just became a conversation with people about how we don't know how to do it and it became really nice and it, it ended up kind of taking a turn and now it's I'd say 50% that 50% being you know a bit of an introvert not really knowing how to do adulting and life and then it's also but you should have Jeff on definitely he's really good oh, on that he's, a, bit of, he's bit of a sore barely... point bit of a sore point this <laughs> 
I was due to do it yesterday. Yeah. She cancelled me as I was putting my shoes on. Oh, that's the worst time. Yeah. Also, particularly as you don't wear your shoes in the house. Yeah, I know. That yeah. is the last know. thing you do. If anyone goes out, conscious you, effort yeah. to put your shoes on. That, that is like the fine yeah. I'm going to go through the yeah. door. Because well, if you have your shoes on in yeah. Jeff's house, it's yeah. like a big social faux yeah. pas. I did it again today. I kind of forgot. There was a whole business with the shoes. I did feel so, really bad. So what? why? I felt really bad. You just found somebody better. Yeah? Yes. Yes, in short. Yeah. Yes, there was a bit of a... The, Come on! Yesterday went out. The, Come on! This is a safe space. You can be honest. <laughs> I don't feel. I don't feel like it is. You no, it's a see. safe space. Just ignore him. Honestly, you've I'm not, not hostile. I'm not hostile not his, person. His no, you're just upset about begging me to I mean, do he, the podcast. He, he does bear grudges, honestly. So, but but yeah. You know, oh yeah. I will yeah. definitely protect you. I can't get past the image of you looking down at your shoes, thinking, "Oh, we're yeah. not going out after all." <laughs> yeah, it was a bit like that. Yeah. I, mean, I what, will get you on. What I do a waste. Want you, I do want you on, but that's the whole. He the was whole... a bit grumpy, actually. Somebody in my office spoke to him yesterday, and he was a bit grumpy. Yeah, <laughs> had a bad day me. yesterday. Had a bad, bad day. These things can be decisive. Yeah. yeah. What time? Good. Come on, Sophie. Come on, you can tell. I had to beg. I had to beg her to allow me on. You did beg me, and then she cancelled. Hey, yeah, I had postponed. To... postponed, postponed. We're calling I... it postponed. postponed. She made That's me. That's what you always say she... when you want to. Yeah, no, somebody. I know. Take something into the long yeah, grass. Exactly. She, she made me do a postponement. She made me do... come on, Sophie. You should just be honest. She made me do a cancelled. list of my Can, various kaput. End, end of. She no more. Do she made me. We don't want you. She made me list my various flaws and, and mental ailments and so on. Oh, it wasn't because kind I had to a long time. Well, it's because after the whole. Well, that happened after Trump. I thought. I'm, I'm, I was just like tired. Like after Trump got elected, I was just tired and I was like, yeah. I'm not going to have that many white How does this men relate on. to Jeff's cancellation? Uh, don't it worry. Relates, We're getting yeah. there. <laughs> it starts with Trump ends with you not being on my podcast. But I just, I was like, I'm tired of white straight men. I'm not going to have them on my podcast. Yeah. I need to have like amplify other people's voices. Yeah. So I'm trying to keep it on like as few white straight men as yeah. possible and you didn't know jeff was a white straight man when you invited him on <laughs> yes i have done no, no. <laughs> no she's uh, i've got a list of people on the first one su- i made i made I, a it photo was a collage of all the white straight it men it was basically a big surprise that jeff turned out to be a white straight man and that was when you called no, him and said just, get take your shoes me, off let me again. tell you something we're talking about me being on a second time by the way Karen. So, so, <laughs> So there's all these white straight men who've been on this podcast yeah. anyway. It's not that and many. So there's, there's quite a few. What, I made so a collage. Seven. I made a collage of them. A very white collage. Can I just say you're misfiring here? You, the question you should be asking is why she invited you on and then disinvited you. So she's messing with, my, me. messing with my man. head. Right. Messing with my. I think she's she's messing with my head. She will do that. So, she wants to make sure that you're right for this. No. And so so I, I, I do sent, this with everyone. I sent her a lovely photo collage of all the other white straight men that she'd had on the. Oh, podcast. she loves that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that was a bit needy. I, well, I'm a needy person. Yeah. Most well, people, if a gig that. gets cancelled, they don't respond with a collage. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a needy person. You know, she says, yeah, but kind of that was in the past. And then fairly much since then, every <laughs> guest on that podcast has been a white straight man. It's true. There's been quite a few recently. Mark's, and, now, Mark's also, now got out his phone. His also just thing. checking. Just sort of, he's just checking the date for uh, Sophie's podcast. Me and Justin Timberlake right? are doing it together next yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I could also say some of these people, um, I, I need it as a favour. So I'm trying to launch I'm trying to get that other podcast going. When I had a national radio show, they were always saying to me, get people like Michael McIntyre on. I'm saying, no, I want to support new comedians. Yes, yeah, true. I'm getting Sophie on because I believe in her and I support her. <laughs> I'm trying to launch something from scratch. I don't know if I can so keep a gone, roof over my ex- family's head. And she's messing with me and making me list my ma- mental ailments. What is the real explanation? Come on. Why did you cancel him with his shoes on? Oh, oh yes, on. About to put About them on. About to be on. They went all the way on. Yeah. Uh, I had double booked. That's a good defence. So you'll have him on again oh, soon. Oh, yeah, definitely. So that's all we I need will. to say on the matter. <laughs> Jeff, have, enjoy your Christmas and don't think about it too much. Yeah. <laughs> 
it was amazing because I was I was trying to ask you if you had like anything that made you interesting, mm. like. Apart- <laughs> <laughs> you said you said you were working class. Yeah, we're underrepresented in the media. <laughs> and I said, "What did your parents do?" And he said, "Well, my mom." And I was like, "Aha! Trick question. You have two parents." <laughs> Doesn't count. You've got class and orphaned. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me ask: What's the podcast apart from the ones that we do that we that people should be listening out for? And I'm not allowed to just mention my other podcast. You're not allowed to just mention okay. your other podcast, Adrift. I'll do mine, which is there's this brilliant podcast about Watergate called Slow Burn. I really oh, would recommend. Honestly, yeah. I would really recommend it if you're a sort of political nerd and you're interested in Watergate and what happened and all that and the parallels with Trump and so on. It's on episode four at the moment, so Slow Burn. I will go for the allusionist with the brilliant Helen Zaltzman, who is one of the co-hosts of one of the longest-running podcasts, Answer Me This. And Helen, over the last couple of years, has set up this new podcast called The Allusionist, which is looking into the origin of words in etymology. But she's really funny, and she gets great people talking about uh, stuff, and it goes off in odd directions. So that's called The Allusionist. Uh, the uh, It's an American podcast called She's All Fat, it's like a fat, positive, uh, feminist, uh, intersectional podcast, which is really great. Just two fat women in LA, I think. It's an incredible podcast. Do you think they might have Jeff on? <laughs> He's looking for gigs. He's out there. Oh, uh, and... Can you um, have a word with them just to see? Just to lay, lay off your risk a bit. <laughs> uh, and then there's one of my favorite podcasts. It's The Parapod, which isn't really running that long. I don't think it's running anymore, but it was three seasons of two comedians going through... Uh, they were talking about the paranormal, about mysteries, and about uh, conspiracy theories. And one of them believes, one of them doesn't. And it's, it's wow. just the funniest. I listen to it on repeat all the time. Mark? Um, there's one called All Killer, No Filler that I started listening to, having done a podcast with one. It's about serial killers. It's two comedians. Who are they? Uh, Kerry Pritchard-McLean. And if I, Rachel, Rachel Fairburn's the other one. I couldn't remember the other one's name for a bit. That's why I said two comedians are stalling. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just they're both, or they both appear to be obsessed with, so they just examine oh, yeah. the case of a different serial killer every day. It's a very, you think it'd be a niche thing, but it's a real sort of, just a grim satisfaction in it. And it's funny. And, and they're uh, huge. Like that's, it's they're popular, huge. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They had, like I saw in another, like some group, an American group on Facebook, suddenly I saw a picture of Rachel Fairburn. And I was like, "That's I know her." Why? And then the text said, "Oh my God, I'm on the same train as Rachel from All Killer No Filler." So they have these crazy fans. It's kind of what I like about podcasts, which is people who have one very specific interest that they are determined to talk about, and this would never have been a vehicle for that before. Why is 2017? Let's just decide it's the year of the pod. Why? Why is it the year of the pod? What? What? What is? uh, uh, Here's my sort of start of a ten, which is, I think it's because. You know, people have talked a lot about the sort of democratization of the internet. Anyone can do it. Da 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 da. Twitter does it in 280 characters now. But I think, I think, you know, you're not, you're able to do something unfiltered. You can just go and do it. Um, yeah. And, and of yeah. course, if you, if you're kind of uh, somebody who's done stuff before, you're more likely maybe to succeed and there's a sort of bias in that. But there is at least a, a sort of democracy to it and a freewheeling nature to it. Yeah. And I think I haven't created the most stuff with TV production companies and stuff, but whenever I have, it's always some producer, some person yeah, who, yeah. the runner or someone who holds the camera is always like, Oh, we need to change this. We need to do yeah. this. 
And then that never becomes necessarily the best product. So suddenly we have people who are like, you know, I'm not, I'm just going to do it on my own. And they actually know how to create stuff. So that's how, you know, there's like my favorite murder, which is another podcast about murder and stuff. They became like, I bet they're millionaires now and they travel the world. They sold out the O2 with their live podcast. And really? that was just too... Look at Ed. It's, it's like a, we've got to sell out <laughs> next year. Yeah, yeah. Next year, Ed. Because they just found a niche and they just went and they just did their thing. And there's no doubt they're going to have a TV show very soon that's going to be a huge success. So I think it is like you. you yeah. It's to do with the, yeah, the gatekeepers of things like TV are like almost all pitiful fuckwits with absolutely <laughs> no. Abs- like Not only no creative abilities, but they're just full of fear. They make conservative decisions all yeah. the time because. If they can just commission something that does all right, that's fine. They just don't want something. To, so there's no risk-taking at TV. And so podcasting, I, like I reckon in 10 years, people won't even say there's no doubt they'll have a successful TV show. A TV show will no longer be, be seen. Yeah, or at least won't be seen as the apex of all. Yeah. Your, that's one of the amazing things about podcasts. It's like we live in an industry where not as much in America, but still everyone is it sort of assumes that getting your thing on TV represents the pinnacle of your possible achievements. Things like podcasts break the seen open a bit because you can like Sophie says you can become very well and have a huge following without having had to because also people in TV are just rude arseholes like they don't reply <laughs> to you they make you do months of unpaid work on spec and then they literally won't reply to your emails this isn't just me yeah. uh, having had a deeply unsatisfying <laughs> career this is most people's experience yes. like, and that's because of years of knowing that they it's not that similar to politics but there's a slightly similar thing where in the same way that politics has maybe been blown open by or it's helped that there's social media and stuff previously full of arseholes you mean previously full of specific people without whom you could you couldn't uh because you're no longer in politics uh yeah i, I feel like no it's, no i'm still an mp mark actually yeah i suppose so yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah luckily luckily for all of us yes. yeah I, I think in, in the same way <laughs> good the recovery mark. Been sort of, uh, <laughs> uh it's a similar kind of thing but the uh internet empowered not just the internet but the current climate empowers people to do stuff off their own back much more. It's not quite the same as politics, but there is an analogy. With I, the way I know that what you mean. I know what you mean. They can, breaking open. People believe that their involvement at grassroots level actually means something. Yeah, in a Jeffrey, way that it maybe didn't ten years ago. Yeah, I think the other great thing about podcasts is you are doing them for the exact audience that want to hear them. Mm. Do you see, do yeah. you see that's what I mean? another point of it. That's so you, this... you build your own community based yeah. around whatever it is you're doing. So if you're going on yeah, TV, point. you're using somebody else's platform, mm. but there's a there's a lot of waste. There's people who are going to like hate what you're doing, and are there that's enough right. of them to make it economically vi- uh, viable? And it's also Whereas... why it's difficult to get that stuff commissioned by TV because the commissions will say, yeah, but no one's interested in this, and you'll say, actually. Uh, core number of people are hugely interested in it and yeah. they, they can't afford to work with those numbers they yeah. need a million people to watch it yeah as you say a podcast specifically targets the people who already want it and because the like tv and radio and stuff is so filled with i mean male white straight voices suddenly you can you can decide to fill your feed with some marginalized people and, and then you can basically mess with the heads of the male white straight voices by having them on your show and then cancelling them at the last minute as exactly. they're about to put your shoes it's on it's the best power basically, yeah, yeah. you're taking an elaborate revenge <laughs> but I, I want to recommend I, uh, I couldn't remember the name before Two Dope Queens which is an incredible podcast to black female comedians and they are so funny that and that I mean just hearing those voices in my head every week is it changes your perception. Representation matters so much that you can actually choose to suddenly learn about the world from another point of view without having to, you know, watch it on television. She's also started started actively booking my social circle as well. 
What, who, who's that? Like John Ronson. Yeah, Daniel but I didn't book him because he's your friend. I, I don't he's believe John you. Ronson. I don't believe you. <laughs> the, white, the straight white male John Ronson. <laughs> okay, move, With moving anxiety, on. With anxiety. We're moving on now. Uh, October, Blue Planet 2 launches. Um, with David Attenborough and for, for those who haven't seen it I think it is an incredible series the last one uh, I just watched in the last few days incredibly moving where he talks about what we are doing to the planet um, he particularly talks about the issue of plastic and the way it's what it's doing to the oceans I mean he has this quote at the end never before have we had such an awareness of what we are doing to the planet and never before have we had the power to do something about that and I, I, I think it is an incredible I think he is an incredible hero for what for his kind of environmentalism and his care. And I think the BBC deserves a lot of credit for having put the effort into this incredible series and spent the money on this incredible series. Oh, it's beautiful, yeah. And um, as you say, you couldn't have a much stronger clarion call in terms of, um, especially plastic, which is a pretty specific area that people could address. Like sometimes with these sort of shows, there is a sense of gloom because... You think oh, this is already too far gone, but he's, are, he's trying you know, to say there's optimism reasons for optimism. Yeah, I read a headline the other day saying that Michael Gove says he's haunted by what he's seen. We're haunted by Michael Gove. Well, isn't there a famous? Isn't somebody right? It was probably Frankie Boyle. I can't remember who wrote it. That uh, Michael Gove looks like a haunted ventriloquist dummy. Yeah, it's just true. Yeah, and now we know what he's haunted by. <laughs> Should we do November? Yep. Um, Same-sex marriage bill passes in the Australian Senate. Which was a great thing. I thought it was quite cowardly of them to put it out to the vote in the first place. You know, just this whole thing where if politicians don't like dealing with an issue, they they kick it back to the general public and tell them the, to have a, a referendum. But you know, a fantastic result, right? Yeah, and this one ended better. Yeah, mm. you know, it shows that you know where Australia was quite reticent about taking this step. You know, the fact is this is kind of now an unstoppable movement. You feel it's an unstoppable movement, don't you? Yeah. I think it'll seem pretty normal as well in a yeah. generation in the same way that it, all these things always do, what yeah, seem like yeah. such exactly. contentious issues. Or not just around same-sex marriage. Most legislation, which is tough and controversial, but 10 years on, people forget that it was so. They should. They, it just becomes part of life. But I don't think it, I think it will be very few places in the world where it is seen as strange, same-sex marriage, in another generation's time. <laughs> Is it worth mentioning the show that won the um, Edinburgh Award this year? Uh, well, which one of them? The Hannah, Hannah, Hannah Gatsby. Gatsby. Yeah, Hannah Gatsby is this incredible Australian comedian and she did a show about uh, homophobia. But the year before that, the guy who won the, the Berry, is that what it's called? Is Tom Ballard. Ballard, yeah. And, uh, and Ballard did an, uh, also a show about homophobia. There's like the LGBTQIA plus scene in Melbourne is incredibly full of these amazing uh, comedians who who are so um, eloquent in their way of describing their experiences. And I th I, I'd like to think that that's part of it. Uh, Zoe Koomsma as well. Uh, she married Reese Nicholson and they're both gay, but they orchestrated this weird marriage where they could, man and woman, get married, even though they're both yeah. in relationships and gay. But th that is legal, which is strange because... Yeah, so they did that, which I also think hopefully has some, had some. Kind so it's of something effect. the comedy community really uh, got behind. Yeah, it's amazing. About. The Australian yeah. art scene is quite is quite good at this because it's a smaller population, partly, so it cuts through much more. And also because, in particular, Melbourne is such a hub of, um, like, well, and Sydney really, the big cities there are full of activism. But as you say, there's always the danger that there's a massive unspoken opposition to things we just right. don't know about until yeah. the day. Mm. But in this case, there wasn't. It wasn't as massive as they thought. Let's do December. I can't believe we've reached the end of the I year already. I can't believe it. Um, and 
So we've got two female prime ministers in December. Katrin Jacobs Dottir, I hope that's the right pronunciation, of the left green movement had her first full day as Iceland's new prime minister. She's the second female prime minister of Iceland. She has pledged a carbon neutral Iceland. That means zero emissions uh, overall by 2040. She's a big environmentalist. And Jacinda Ardern became the Labour prime minister of New Zealand. That was actually slightly earlier in October. Um, Great to have two female prime ministers I particularly admire both of them because they both came second in their general elections. <laughs> yeah. and That's became, the way to win. And became prime ministers. Uh, became, both became prime ministers. Your minister. tactic, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was my tactic. Didn't quite uh, pull. Didn't quite. Didn't quite pull it off. Um, but you know, in a world of Donald Trump and all of that, um, I think it's you know really uh, sort of positive. And actually. You know, it turns out that um, New Zealand has something which I think we should have here, which is they have a nationwide secret centre, which <laughs> Jacinda Ardern took part in. So Wait, you could get you could get anyone else in the country. You could get anyone else in the country. Don't you think that's quite a good idea? Bring people together, a way of uniting people. You get to sort of you know buy a secret Santa present for somebody. I've never had a good experience with secret Santa. Oh, you're such a killjoy. <laughs> <laughs> I, mm, I think it's a very lovely thought. I've, I've I've broken the spending rules by a considerable margin to like get people nicer <laughs> presents than the rules dictate, and then I've I've stood in the same room as them and seen disappointment on their faces with the gifts that I've given. And you never get the same back either. They give no. you a box of Maltesers, but you've got them like a gym membership for three years. Okay, the trouble is when you give something in secret, Santa, you don't then get the approval back because of the secrecy. Basically, you just don't like people very much, do you? I like the idea of people yeah if we keep coming back to that <laughs> yeah <laughs> because you know we had this during the year people suggesting you know you have compulsory conversations on the tube and all of that and you get to know other people don't you think it's a way of breaking down those barriers i think that i also really like the idea of it but i reckon i reckon most british people would fail to actually their admin wouldn't match up to uh, well look if one. you're out there and you run the royal mail um, or, if the postmaster general or, is listening, or I don't think they exist anymore. They're likely uh, someone will be the there. Royal Mail or somebody else who who wants to learn from New Zealand. I, I'm in. I'm there you in go for the nationwide secret. Center All right. Well, if the two year. of us do it, then the worst case scenario, we're just getting each other a gift. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, we're not going to include you, Jeff. Can I just do one other because this sort of tickled my fancy? This is the person who, and they wrote this on, in December. I made my shed the top-rated restaurant on TripAdvisor. I don't know whether you knew, heard this story. This is about somebody who has a shed in Dulwich, and, and it's literally a shed. Yeah, I did see this. Yeah. And they managed to make, with the help of fake reviews, mystique, all kinds of other things, celebrity endorsements, they managed to make their shed the top-rated restaurant in London. And then, it, you know, they had people from all over the world. They had airlines getting in touch with them. Could they feature them on the in-flight video? And they ended up opening on one particular day and served ready meals from Iceland to the people who arrived. <laughs> and here's the funny thing. The people wanted to come back. Yeah. <laughs> now, what does that tell you? I don't I mean, think we should start messing with TripAdvisor. You don't think that so? Is, I don't, we can't take away the, the trust in TripAdvisor because that is the one place I go to unleash my rage. Well, don't go to the... <laughs> Are you a TripAdvisor reviewer? Oh, yeah. What was the last thing you reviewed on there? Oh, it was a hotel. Like the most, <laughs> like the most elitist person in the world. They shouted at me when I checked in. So, oh... Wow. You not I, get away with that. I never trust TripAdvisor reviews because I assume the people writing them are lunatics. Well, but maybe. Well, that's proven now, isn't it? <laughs> Did they say you had a reservation and you got your shoes on and then they cancelled you? <laughs> right, to finish, give us one reason to be cheerful for 2018. Um, I, I want to say Sadiq Khan. Good. He's been really 
really brilliant reason he wanted to make was it in 2018 or was it just at some point he wants to make London the most uh, the best place for women or the best place for women to live and he wants to have gender neutral toilets all over the place and I th- I mean if he gets to do all those things then that's I mean yes please Mark um, yeah I'd say that the Trump thing was the sort of um, was us hitting rock bottom this year has in a lot of ways actually been better than 2016 there's reason to think that we will now enter a, a period of kind of cautious progress year on year Jeff well, there'll probably be some good stuff on telly <laughs> There's loads these days, isn't there? There's yeah. Netflix and things. Yeah, I'm optimistic. Ed? I think mine is young people. I know that sounds that might sound a do bit... Do you believe that of, children are our future? I do. We are the world. Uh, no, I, I sort of think that the, the sort of radicalism of young people, the demand of young people for things to be better, the fact that they've got engaged in politics, that, that gives me hope for 2018. You're welcome. Email us, reasons at cheerfulpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at Cheerful Podcast or search for our Facebook page, Reasons to be Cheerful Podcast. So that was our New Year episode. Thank you so much to Sophie Hagen. Her podcast is Made of Human and um, she's on tour with her show Dead Baby Frog. And thanks to Mark Watson, who is on tour throughout January. You can see him in Monmouth, Potter's Bar, Milford Haven, Western Supermare, Maidenhead and Wharfdale. Excellent. What do you think about the idea of going on tour? We're going to go on tour in 2018. We're going to start in London uh, at the end of January. And if you want us to come to your city or town, we're going to be doing uh, live recordings of our podcast with guests. Uh, Please let us know. Please email us. Invite us to your town, village, uh, city, metropolis. I'm going to come clean with you here. We're worried that nobody would come and see us. We think, like, what if we decide to go around these different towns and cities? Speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) But it would be nice if people emailed and said, oh, yeah, if you came, you know, if you came to... um, I don't want to be like that lecture I did in Sweden when, like, you know, nobody turned up because there was a lockdown. But assuming there isn't a lockdown because (laughs) Theresa May happens to be uh, arriving. I think she deliberately did that. I think uh, she did. Maybe she's going to... Well, we'll know if she follows us round to each each (laughs) podcast live venue but look i'm uh, you know we, we're we're gonna take this concept out of jeff's loft we're not gonna be able to transport the japanese toilet but we're gonna be in your town or no city. japanese portal with no Jap- maybe japanese portal we'll see if anyone uh, would like to sponsor it from the <laughs> japanese portal manufacturers association um but if even if that doesn't work uh we're gonna be going out talking to people. we already had some invites for various festivals we'll be talking about that um and you know we, we'd love to meet our audience in person at least i'd love to meet the audience in person yeah, I, I would briefly. Briefly. Yeah. Just remember, Jeff's socially awkward and yeah. I'm not good with inanimate objects. So just make sure there are no accidental <laughs> inanimate objects around. But do let us know if you'd be up for it and where we should go. You can email reasons at cheerfulpodcast.com. Or follow us on Twitter at Cheerful Podcast. Or you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com stroke reasons to be cheerful podcast. And I thought I'd just read this email. We've got a number of emails, then we'll read them uh, on next week and, and forthcoming shows. But I, I just thought I'd pick out this one. Uh, it's from Rachel Finn. I stumbled across your podcast in a recent Guardian list. I'm not sure I'd have found it otherwise, avoiding UK podcasts for some reason. Perhaps I just prefer to listen to bouncy, optimistic American voices, you see, Jeff. But I'm completely hooked. The show's transformed my Monday morning commute down the M1, making sure that I arrive at the office with a smile on my face and some new ideas in my head i don't even mind the traffic jams thank you for getting me to work thank you for making me smile thank you for helping me to engage in british politics by tackling issues in an understandable balanced and relatable 
way. All best for the new year. I'm looking forward to hearing what you're working on. Now, that gave me an idea uh, from Rachel, which is we do have lots of listeners, but we'd like more of them. Uh, and we keep getting people who are emailing us saying, oh, I didn't know about you. I just happened across your podcast one way or another. So we're going to have a plus one scheme where as a podcast listener, you invite somebody else to be a podcast listener you, you our podcast just in case there's any doubt about that uh, and not anyone's podcast and you say to them i've heard reasons to be cheerful you should become a listener too and if you email us in with your plus one mm. if it's a really good story you're going to win a prize and we're going to work out what the prize is maybe it's coming to a live show maybe it's coming to see jeff's attic providing jeff is okay with that uh maybe it's a little sign sort of yeah. something or other but we want you to know your plus ones ed is really regretting now having the edstone pulverized because we could have given away pieces of the edstone that's a brilliant idea <laughs> actually. if you're the owner of the edstone uh please get in touch it's it like the berlin wall. exactly like that's that cr- yeah that is, that is genius yeah. that is what you get the big bucks for well, let's see if we can track it down yeah if yeah we can track down a copy of class struggle we can track down anything but yeah uh, so yeah so find, tell find us your plus one. one and the more unlikely the plus one it could be you know maybe you're introducing somebody who you know is elderly doesn't normally listen to podcasts or somebody who's from across the political divide or you know somebody you just think will like the show so let us know yeah, cause most people still haven't listened to podcasts that's true lots of room for growth think there, what they're right? missing out on i know we'll be packing out the millennium dome before you know it thanks to emma caution for producing our podcast alex vice bryce thanks for uh, all the research to alex and the backup from Lindsay todd gail lofthouse is our announcer ed seed uh, wrote the music james deacon made the idents and emily power made our artwork um before we go new year's resolution exercise more really yeah you getting look- some special weighing scales to encourage me you don't look like a portly man to me no but i think you're not you know, wearing a, corset, a ba- are you? battle of the bulge what about you exercise less <laughs> i actually don't think it'd be possible to exercise less unless i just remain stationary i don't know i was thinking of maybe being more charismatic you're very charismatic already oh stop it you're very charismatic enigmatic no charismatic okay. think of those people we had the selfie with <laughs> they were desperate to have you in it <laughs> don't rub it in any opportunity to bring that up yeah, they were saying, um, I, I don't want that guy in there, my, my selfie. I just want the guy who was nearly Prime Minister. No, you're very charismatic. And it's it's been a pleasure working with you in 2017, and I'm really looking forward to our life together in 2018. Me too. It's the open road ahead of us. Exactly. Thelma and Louise. Yes. He's been Thelma. He's been Louise. And these have been... Driving off the cliff. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.